I'm Spade Robinson, and this is Storyteller Therapy. Welcome to another episode of Storyteller Therapy. I am so glad we're meeting here this week because today we're going to talk about something that I feel like a lot of people deal with and experience. My clients definitely deal with it and experience it, but it's not something we talk about in the public realm. Today we're going to talk about career envy. It's such a big thing that I deal with every day with my clients that I deal with myself as a filmmaker. It's not something that we talk about when we go to a panel or we're at an event. We're all just so happy for everyone. But in real life, career envy is something that we do experience. And because we're in the filmmaking industry and the entertainment industry, the accomplishments of our colleagues or the projects they're making, or the funding they just got, or the grant that just happened. It's all around us because it's in the press. It's on our social media. It's in our current zeitgeist. So with the Academy Awards just being done, and the first round of grants just coming out this year, there are so many opportunities for us to be crippled by career envy. So today we're going to talk about how to banish it forever out of your life. Later on in the episode, I'm going to be talking about these free mini sessions that I'm going to be doing with screenwriters to help them get to a place where they understand what their process is going to be and how I can help them or how they can create systems around themselves to make sure that they are as efficient and effective as they want to be in their work, therefore moving their careers forward, which is what we are all about. So before we get into all of that, I just want to check in with you guys and see what you guys have been up to, what you've been watching. I usually like to go over films that are brand new and out or shows that are just coming out. But I have to tell you, I've learned a lot from watching this show recently. I've been binge watching it. Shout out to my girl Maya, who this is her favorite show. So I've picked up watching it and I've learned a lot about writing. So we sort of decided that everything before now was just terrible and on the nose and awful. But Golden Girls was pretty great. I've learned a lot from watching it, including how forward thinking it was and more than anything, comedic timing. What I love about the show is that these characters have pretty extreme versions of themselves. But these versions of themselves are very rooted in a basic human need for each one of them. And it's very genuine. So a lot of the comedies that I watch, even contemporary, that I don't engage well with have a lot to do with the fact that even when these characters are extreme versions of themselves, they're not rooted in anything that's a basic human need or want. So it's hard to resonate with characters that I don't identify with because of that. And then a lot of characters in comedy now are so mild in terms of them being more identifiable, but not nearly as interesting or not nearly as compelling or funny to watch. They just say a lot of jokes. Two things that I would want you to take out of it. First of all, go watch the show. I don't care what demographic you're in. If you write comedy, go back and watch the show. A, make sure that your characters are extreme and interesting and funny enough to make me want to watch them. Make sure that regardless of how extreme they are, their characters are rooted in some very basic universal human needs and wants. What I really like about the community timing of the show is a lot of the jokes are really thrown away. That way, the jokes are surprising and even funnier. I would pay attention to the cadence and the rhythm of your jokes, making sure that they don't hit on the beat all the time, but possibly off the beat, like after the joke is supposed to be over. So that's just something I would put in my hat in a show that I would check out if you are a television writer who writes comedy. What I love about this episode is 
is that this is probably one of the first, is it one of the first? One of the first episodes that I have that's like purely mostly a therapy session. So I'm excited to talk to you guys about this. I want to first be clear that career envy is not just for writers and directors. All of us creatives experience it because everybody's work is on such display because it is for sale for the whole wide world. This goes for assistants trying to move to executive, PAs trying to move to director or producer, makeup artist, showrunner. This is like, this runs the gamut of every single job that you could have in this industry because the press release about somebody moving to a CEO role is on your phone. This doesn't make you a bad person. I also want to be clear about that. And I think that's why people aren't as transparent about it as they could be because there's this idea that makes you like petty or small or bad person. The core of career envy is not about jealousy and pettiness and a lack of ability or capacity to be happy for other people. At the core of it is the fact that when you can envy someone else's career, it's somehow, it's shocking that it's like this. It's a little bit of a guilty pleasure, which is surprising because who actually wants to feel those feelings? We classify those as negative feelings. But it's a little bit of a guilty pleasure because sometimes those feelings are just a projection of the lack of like hope and excitement that we have around our own work, our own careers, which isn't to say that you aren't making anything interesting or anything good. It's to say that sometimes if you're not exactly where you want to be, in your career, the leap emotionally that you have to take to continue to believe that this can and will happen for you is sometimes more emotional work than it is to look around you and envy what other people have going on. I hope that makes sense. Because what we're talking about is not that you wish bad on other people or that there's something wrong with you. I want to be clear about that. What we're talking about is if there's a leap from here to the other side of the room, then perhaps the other side of the room is you really believing and knowing that your career is going to be fine and that the work that you're making is compelling and that this is happening for you. What may be the halfway point between here and the other side of the room is career envy, which means I don't have to take that entire leap if I can take my emotional energy, project my fears and my doubt about what I'm going to be able to do externally on someone else. Because we, we don't necessarily know the details of how other people created their quote unquote success. We just see it. It's easier to believe that it's a vague set of events that created that. Therefore, it's not possible for me or therefore it's less possible for me. It's a more satisfying truth, even though it's not true, to relish in than to believe or to look at the details of those steps and believe that then I can take that extra leap and do that for myself. I hope that's clear because what I'm trying to communicate is it's not a negative thing about you at all. What it is, is it's the unwillingness to do the emotional work to believe what you believe for other people for yourself. And I hope that lets you off the hook in a way. It puts you in a place where you're like, oh, okay, well, if I just need to get to the other side of the room, that's something I can do. So let me stop stopping here in this halfway point. So let's talk about how to banish it forever out of your life. I think the first thing to recognize is that, first of all, your brain is the motherboard for everything in your life. There is nothing in your life that is not 
generated from your mind and how your mind works and how your mind is dealing with things. So I think the first thing is just to take yourself off the hook from that and then be able to recognize when there are thoughts that you have that support that lie. So the lie is that there's this vague set of things that achieved someone else's success. I have envy around that because I don't know how to manifest that for myself. At the end of the day, there's no vague set of events that doesn't exist. There's no they, there's no universal they, there's no us and them. I mean, that's just like not real. It's just a way for your mind to fog up things so you don't have to deal with actual facts. The actual facts are there were, in fact, a set of real events that did happen and real things that were said and real checks that were written and real conversations that did happen and real locations that those conversations happened in. Like these are real things that happened. So what are these real things that happened? Take away the vagueness of it because that's, A, it's not real and B, it's not beneficial to you to think of it that way. The truth is that real things happened. And because real things happened for this other person or in the life of this other person, those same things can happen for you and should and will. Which brings me to our second step to banishing career envy. It's to get busy. Let's say if you're on one side of the room and your goal, your career goal is on the other side of the room, there's this idea that There are these vague set of things that you have to do to get where you want to go. But nothing in life is actually vague. Everything you do, you actually do. Everything you eat, you actually ate. Everything you say, you actually said, right? You can't get where you're trying to go by like doing these things in whatever order that they come into your mind because you read them in an article. You need a plan. So this step is two part. The first part is create a plan. Create a plan for getting where you want to go. And of course, you have to be flexible because plans will and can change. Most of my customers are women who have full-time jobs, who have a family and a spouse and, you know, children, which means that things come up. Your kid gets sick, you know, you have to change things. But the key is that you have a plan and your plan has to be very detailed and your plan should be written down. If the idea is like, I need a manager by the end of the year, then you need a plan based Based on my life, what I know I can accomplish, and based on what I know about how to get a manager, I need these three things. I need a new short film. I need one script, one pilot, and another script. Based on what you know that you need to have, what are the steps that you're going to take to get there? And then break those down and then schedule those things. So that's the other thing is people have a plan like, Oh, I have a plan for 2018 and I want to accomplish this by the end. And then perhaps they even take the next step of saying, I need these seven things. But a task list can be completely overwhelming. The pace can be all over the place. The key is to take your plan and then convert that into a list of things to do. And then take that list of things to do and put them in your calendar for when they are going to be done. And then honor those things. You're going to have in your calendar all the things that need to happen, including fundraising. Okay, so this month and a half is about fundraising. And I know where I'm going to go. I'm going to go to these 17 people, but I'm also going to do this campaign. And then I'm also going to do this thing. How can you make your outcome inevitable? 
So you're not going to try a bunch of different things and see what happens. That's not good enough for you because you actually do need to get to the other side of the room. In order to make this thing inevitable, then you have to increase dramatically increase your chances by doing a dramatically different amount of work or a dramatically different type of work. Fundraising is a part of that. You have to get this funded. Applying to grants is just not going to do it. It's just not. You have to create a combination of things so that your outcome is going to happen. So just to recap all of that, once you realize that what is going to cure your career envy is going to be letting yourself off the hook for having it, A, and B, replacing those thoughts that are of like vague, bad feelings about sort of what's happening with someone else is to create concrete thoughts or to replace that lie with a detailed truth. And that detailed truth can work for you if you want to accomplish the same thing or if you want to accomplish something different. There needs to be a detailed truth about how you are going to get where you are going to go. And that is creating a plan around whatever your goal is, creating tasks to go along with that plan, to accomplish that plan, and then scheduling those tasks to a very granular detail that create an inevitable outcome for you. The next step to banishing career envy is something that I call the season of the crock pot, which sounds crazy. But you know how a crock pot somehow like just creates magic? I love my crock pot. I love my crock pot so much. It just creates magic because you put raw materials in and seasoning and like things that you would never eat and you give it some time and some heat and all of a sudden it's a magical gourmet thing you created. You need to do the same thing with your career. Sometimes you have to throw the ingredients in your life and seal it off in order for you to get where you want to go. So this can include people. This can include inspiration. This can include a safe space in your home or office. And I talk a lot about a safe space in this podcast. It's about what are the elements that are going to get you where you need to go. And because it's a concentration of things, you can't live your life in a crock pot, unfortunately, especially for a lot of my clients who like, you know, have to pay bills and have sex with their spouse and take their kids to school and other things like, but you can't have a season of your life where you crock pot, where you prepare the people in your life and saying, listen, I'm going to crock pot for two months. And I need for you to know that I need for you to support that. Let's say you have a documentary film and you shot all this footage and you don't know what the hell your story is about anymore. <laughs> and you're looking around and it's like, oh, great. Such and such got the Gucci Tribeca. Oh, great. This deadline just passed. I had an alert on my calendar and now it's gone. And I don't know what to do. And I'm still looking for help and support or whatever. I don't have any money. I don't have an editor. All these things. And Career Envy can overtake you. And the anxiety around, are you ever going to finish? And do you even have what it takes? And then you spend all this money and time. And that is a spiral that you just never need to go down. So what you need to do is pull yourself away for a crock pot season 
and decide what you need in your life in order to come out on the other side. You just need to figure out the elements that you're going to need in your life to get this done. And then crock pot the hell out of it. Like turn off your social media alerts, um, find your space that you're going to work, whether it is the den in your house that you're like, nobody else is coming in the den for two months. This is this is my office now. It's hard to say what's going to work for everybody because everybody's in a, in a different situation. So for example, if you don't have a family, but you do have a roommate and your roommate has parties all the time, then perhaps you should splurge in an office space for a short amount of time so that you can just crock pot what you need to do and make sure that you unfollow people who you have career envy for and make sure that you're not getting variety alerts and make sure that your mom is on speed dial whenever you need to call and be like, I don't think I can do this. And she's like, bitch, you got this. I mean, I don't know whose mother talks to them like that, but my mother definitely does not talk to me like that. But when she encourages me, that's that's the general consensus I get. And just let it simmer. It's not going to happen overnight. So you need to give yourself a long enough season of crock pot. But there's an arc that will happen in that season if you allow yourself to be safe enough to imagine and to fail and to try and to try and to try. When you're in that trying season, you don't need elements that can break you or cause doubt or plant seeds of doubt. It's hard to say because you know, it's different for everyone. But I think that most people know what they need. And it's hard to get all of those things all at the same time. So you have a season where you concentrate your resources, your money, your favors, whatever you need to pull all that together at one time and allow yourself to cook slowly so that you can get to the other end of it. And it's not contaminated with all the stuff that paralyzes you. I hope that's clear. The next step into banishing career envy is to know, know your lane. People always say know thyself. And it's such a vague thing because we are changing and growing all the time. So hopefully what you're doing is learning yourself over and over. I think it's in your best interest to spend some time figuring out what is your lane as a storyteller? How are you branding yourself? And I don't mean that in a way that's trite as if you can't grow, but I do do think that you should be able to articulate what kind of stories you want to tell, even if you're going to expand upon that. I think if you were to meet the exec or the funder that could fund all of your projects, what would you tell them about the kind of stories you want to tell so that they can understand if they want to work with you or not? I think it's really clear to know what you are. I mean, this may be like really philosophical, but really know what you're on this planet to do as a storyteller. What message or theme are you trying to get at all the time? What are you thinking about constantly in terms of how human beings manage their lives? Because once you figure out the types of stories that you want to tell and your unique bit on that, it is so much easier to alleviate career envy because who else is going to be doing what you're doing? There's no one who can say exactly what you are supposed to say. Nobody. I strongly believe this. You have had the exact life that you were supposed to have. Trauma, dysfunction, the good, the bad, the weird. You've had the exact life that you were supposed to have to tell the stories that you are supposed to tell. I think we aren't always vulnerable enough to do that, but even the style of storytelling that if you just let you be you, 
and not try to be everybody else, not try to duplicate somebody else's success, you'll find that there is a theme there, there's a brand there, there's there's a pattern there, and the world wants it, and they need it, and they're not getting it if you are holding on to yourself so tightly. Once you are clear, or even if you have an inkling but can pretty clearly articulate who you are as a storyteller, what it is that you're trying to say, or the style, or what aesthetic that you want to bring to it, and I don't necessarily mean visual aesthetic per se, even though it includes visual aesthetic, but as an artist, what unique thing are you bringing to this industry? Once you can identify that and appreciate that, then I think the concept of you knowing that nobody else can do what you can do and that it also won't be done unless you do it, that will light a fire under you, I think, mostly to just be yourself, but also to realize that you can't compare yourself to anybody else because it is apples and oranges. Because you are in a lane of your own Because, I mean, I deal with a lot of clients who feel like they are behind the curve or late somehow. But your life experiences make you the storyteller you are. Or the lack of life experiences make you the storyteller you are. I get the timing thing. Lord knows. I get the timing thing. But I also know that it's a lie. I also know that a season of your life where it feels like nothing is happening for your career and that season can last for years, that builds up something in you that will come out in your story storytelling and you just have to know that you have to believe that you have to see your life holistically when your career is everything when your life is only your career then it is tragic when you don't get where you want to go by a certain time because it's like your life has not started when your career is a part of your life and your work as an artist is multifaceted and it's happening all the time whether you're making money doing it or not and you very much understand what you have to offer and how unique that is, you really don't have the space to compare yourself to other people. And I think the key to that really is living a full life as much as you can. You have to travel. You have to see other places. You have to be in relationships. You have to take in art, all types of art, art that's not film or television, just art. You have to study other cultures or be interested in it. You have to play and you have to pour into other people. You have to give back. You have to have compassion. You have to be touched by another person. You have to let yourself feel angry. You have to let yourself feel frustrated. You have to let yourself feel all of the emotions. You have to identify with people who you don't like. You have to try and understand things you don't understand. You have to be a full person. And I really think you have to learn to like yourself and like what you have to offer and investigate it and be curious about yourself and what it is that you have to offer and separate how you think other people see you from your value and, and what you bring to the table. I know that feels like a, like a lot of different things and I and everybody's not going to be able to do all those things all right now. And it's a long laundry list about just being a human being. But the key to wrap it up, I would say, as opposed to knowing yourself, learn thyself, continue to learn thyself, particularly as a storyteller and identify what makes you really special. 
I think that helps a whole lot. The last step is to turn envy into inspiration. It works, I promise it works, but it is not the easiest thing to do. Cause it's a little cliche, right? It's a little like, okay, all right, how do I do that? We talked about in the first step to remove the vague sheen of success from a person or, or a colleague that you may have career envy for. To turn envy into inspiration is when you remove that sheen of like, look what this glorious thing is, and then distill it into art facts, which is to say, how? When you distill something into art facts, basically what you're doing is you're saying, okay, I saw this television show. I got the script. I read it. The script is really, really good. I love the language of this thing. Or I love this twist in the second act that I wasn't expecting. Or I loved this thing about it. Or this is what really works. And this other thing is like not my style and I would never use it, but I appreciate it. But I, I love the way they implemented their style in this way. And I think that I want to add more of my own unique flavor to my work. We think of inspiration as a, a feeling. I don't think of inspiration as a feeling. I think of inspiration as being able to recognize what's great about something. And I can't recognize what's great about something unless I recognize what that other thing is. If you are to turn envy into inspiration, what you're going to do is when you remove that sheen of success from a television show or a play or a movie or whatever lane you're in, then you look at the fundamental workings of that thing. So get access to that, whether it's a script or you watched it a million times or you had a conversation with the filmmaker or whatever it is that you need to do. Once you distill those art facts, which is just a technique, like how was this actually done, then you are studying the art form, the contemporary art form, and you can take what works for you or what tactics may support what it is that you're trying to do, throw away the tactics that don't, but you can appreciate the unique thing that somebody else brought to the table. And of course, because you know what unique thing you bring to the table, then you know how to add that to your own work. It sort of sounds like very simple, but the truth is it's not very simple because sometimes we don't want to pull back that sheen of success and get in there. And sometimes we don't want to communicate with people that we may envy or dive deeper into acknowledging something that's great. But the truth is, is that it will do the opposite for you. Once you understand how the sausage is made, then you know whether you want to make sausage or if you want to make that particular sausage or what flavors you would add to your sausage. You just need to know. Knowledge is going to be the key to turning your envy into inspiration. And inspiration doesn't have to be this emotional feeling. Inspiration are just facts. I hope that's clear because it's not a very like sexy answer, but I think demystifying what it is that you envy is the key to not having envy. So those are the five steps to banishing career envy out of your life forever. I hope they were helpful. If you have any questions about them, definitely drop me a line. I'm going to leave the link to sending me a message in the show notes. For news and updates, I also want to let you guys know that I am offering free mini sessions for screenwriters who need to figure out how to create systems or a system around their writing process. I will put the link also in the show notes for scheduling that mini session. It's free. 
You can chat with me about what problem you're having that's stopping you from telling the most compelling version of your story or getting where you want to go in terms of your process and getting to the end of your screenplay. So use that link to schedule that time with me. And lastly, here is your homework. I think every once in a while, every storyteller, whether they are dealing with career envy or not, need a crock pot season. But definitely, if you are dealing with career envy, I need you to schedule when you're going to have this crock pot season in your life. So your homework assignment is to make a list of everything you're going to need in your crock pot season. What people you need in your life, what person you need on speed dial, what elements, you have to set up with systems you have to put in place so that you can have a successful crop pot season. So once you have a list of all of those things, then I want you to schedule that time. I like two months because it's long enough and short enough for me to get something significantly done and help to change my mindset around the way that I'm thinking about things but also short enough where I don't feel like I'm going to deplete my resources or deplete my favors or deplete the emotional energy I'm going to need for my friends or family. Decide how long it has to be for you, but put it on your calendar so it can happen. And then I want to hear about it. So drop me a note and let me know about your crockpot season and let's keep each other accountable. Okay, that's all I have for this week. I will talk to you guys again next week. Have a good week, guys. Bye.